five, four, three, two, one. We are live. Episode 10 of Segments. It is beautiful March 3rd, 2018. Like I said, welcome to a new month. It is a new month of March, ladies and gentlemen. I have something to tell you guys before we get, get uh, uh, to top the show off today. We actually did an episode of the G Meeker MMA show the other day. And I guess something happened with the editing and the, uh, and the audio. And it somehow got lost and it was corrupted. So the whole thing was just completely lost. So otherwise, I would have... <laughs> I would have uh, released an episode, you know, breaking down the fights for UFC 222, breaking down last week's uh, performances, you know, Jeremy Stevens defeating Josh Emmett and and all that. So we basically did like an entire show and all that was gone. You know, I felt like I dropped some serious knowledge on there. I I did real good on there. Everything flowed. So it was quite upsetting when you lose that. So it made me not want to do a podcast, an episode, but I figured since it's fight night, it's Saturday and UFC 222 airs today, we're just going to do some segments and basically just recap Jeremy Stevens' performance, how he fits into the UFC 222 co-main event between... Frankie Edgar taking on Brian Ortega, so we'll talk about that, and we'll just get that on, and then we'll recap the fights later the same week, like around Monday or so. We'll do Monday, we'll talk about those fights, and we'll continue on, but like I said, got to sit back and relax. It's very upsetting, honestly, having a great-ass show like that, and having it go to shit like that with the whole corrupting thing and the whole audio thing. This app just barely got updated too. And that was my first experience with the app. And I'm mean, not saying it was the app. It was probably just the way that I did it. Probably just got to pay more attention and be more, more precise with all that stuff. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. So moving back a couple weeks to UFC Orlando, Jeremy Stevens defeating Josh Emmett and a, 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 by a beautiful, beautiful, I think like second round knockout. A lot of controversy with the knee. You know, the, the knee was thrown. Did the knee land? What happens if the knee didn't land? Is it illegal? Is it illegal? There's a lot of talk about that. So we'll get into talking basically about that. And honestly, I just think you know it, it, it was a illegal knee. But the hard, the hardest thing is the new rules in place, and, and then the ref, the ref not seeing it, and whether or not the commission can have it overturned if Josh Emmett chooses. I'm not taking anything away from Jeremy Stevens because he looked absolutely phenomenal. It's like he just threw a knee that may have been illegal, but it didn't land. So, you know, on my side, if I had to pick, you know, I would think, you know, the knee didn't land. So, you know, obviously, you know, thank God it didn't land. You know, there's been some – there. I've seen some fights where – um the guy was hurt, you know, I would see a fighter go down and maybe they'll throw a couple of punches, you know, when you throw the flurries of punches, not every single one of your punches land, you know, with a knockout blow, you'll throw one big shot and you'll land and you'll maybe throw another right hook to try to capitalize with it or an uppercut or something and, you know, it won't capitalize. It almost reminds me equivalent to throwing a legal strike. But anyways, so for anyone to say, oh, no, you can't be defending a legal strike, I know there's people who probably think that. But illegal strike is an illegal strike, even though it's attempted necessarily not didn't land or anything. It still was an illegal strike. So, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Jeremy Stevens because up until that illegal, uh, up until that that thrown illegal knee, he did absolutely phenomenal and defeated Josh Emmett in the in the in the um second round. Not without adversity though. He got caught and dropped in the first round as well. So, you know, Jeremy Stevens has a great chin. You necessarily haven't really seen him in too much trouble when it comes to that. That's the first time I've actually seen Jeremy Stevens get dropped. So 
congrats to Jeremy Stevens. He definitely does. It's crazy now. He has like 20 plus UFC fights and on the verge of potentially fighting for a world title. He's been in the UFC for over 10 years and all his fights, 90% of his fights are inside the octagon. So seeing Jeremy Stevens inside the octagon potentially fighting for a world title in the near future in 2018, maybe mid, maybe early 2019, you know, he's he's defeated like three former champions, I think. You know, he defeated Hendon Brow at 145 pounds. Well, well while Hendon Brow was at 145 pounds, he defeated him. He defeated Gilbert Melendez, defeated Duho Choi, and now he defeated um, he's defeated Josh Emmett. Mind you, he just fought Duo Toy like a month ago, so Jeremy Stevens has been on a roll. So, you know, this UFC 222 fight card today and the co-main event between Edgar and Ortega most likely, very likely, will submit a shot at the champion Max Holloway for whoever wins the co-main event of the evening between Edgar and Ortega. We'll talk about that, too. I'll give my thoughts on that. And like I said, I gave my thoughts on it yesterday and stuff, and all, or the day before yesterday, and I was just so upset. But you know, now that my head's clear, now I have a better understanding of what's what's going on, and just you know, not letting th- upsetting things like that get to you, it, it's, it feels a lot better to talk about that. So, um, so for Jeremy Stevens, you know, he 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 has three guys ahead of him. Obviously, I don't think Jose Aldo is going to be challenging for a title anytime soon based off the rankings. So number one ranked, Jose Aldo. Number two ranked is Frankie Edgar. And number three ranked is Brian Ortega. So Brian Ortega, number three versus number two, Frankie Edgar. That will submit the shot at Max Holloway. Because if you guys didn't know, Frankie Edgar was originally set to fight Max Holloway on this very card. And now the whole, the main event is headlined by featherweight champion Chris Cyborg. Puts the title on the line against Kaini... Kaini Kunstikaya, former Invicta Bantamweight champion, or, or the current Invicta uh, Bantamweight champion, per Joe Rogan. I mean, at the weigh-ins, he announced her as the Invicta Bantamweight champion. She just came over to the UFC. She's making a UFC debut against Chris Cyborg, and we'll talk about that as well. That's really exciting. And also, the UFC 2, we'll break down the UFC 222 uh whole fight card and all that. The return of Kat Zingano. I can't tell you how excited I was to talk about her and, and break her down as a fighter and as a person yesterday. But we will do it equally impressive today. I promise you. But, um, all right, going back to Jeremy Stevens. So after this whole Edgar versus um, Brian Ortega thing happens, you know, Max Holloway seems to be on the verge of recovery. So maybe a little bit later, maybe International Fight Week, Max Holloway could return and defend either against Brian Ortega or defend against Frankie Edgar. That, that co-main event, man, Edgar versus Ortega is, is a barn burn. That's a really good fight. I really enjoy it. Man, if you see how massive Brian Ortega was at the at the weigh-ins compared to Frankie. Frankie Frankie's a very tiny 145-er. Well, he's, a, he's, he's perfect for the weight class. He was a tiny 155-pound fighter when he fought previously at the at the at that weight class above but you know i think you know styles styles make fights and this is a really exciting fight because you know the phonetic pace of frankie edgar the forward pressure of frankie the boxing of frankie the, the the will to never give up he's just always in your face like with frankie edgar he's a guy that you can't take breaks with I mean, I, I prefer not to take breaks at all inside the octagon, but for Frankie Edgar, he's a pressure fighter. He He's getting better with age because, you know, he, it's like wine. He gets better as time goes by. You know, he has not lost a non-title fight 
since Gray Maynard, I believe. And, you know, his only fights he's lost are title fights. Two of them close. You know, the Josie Aldo fight, the first one was close. The second one I felt personally was close. I felt that both the Benson Henderson fights were close. So Frankie Edgar's not going anywhere anytime soon. And ever since then, since he's been at this 145-pound weight class, he's looked dominant aside from losing to the great Josie Aldo twice. No, there's no shame in losing to Josie Aldo twice. He's a fantastic fighter, top featherweight in the world, and, and arguably a Hall of Famer when it comes to you know what what he has done in the featherweight division and, and in the UFC as well. So there's no shame in losing to them. So Frankie Edgar has a total of five, I think it's 21-5-1. Yeah, he has a total of five losses, one to Gray Maynard, two to Benson Henderson, two to Jose Aldo. Yeah, one to Gray Maynard, two to Jose Aldo, and... Two to Benson Anderson. Other than that, he's beat the brakes off everybody. You know, I obviously had the draw with Gray Maynard a while ago, but other than that, you know, Frankie's looked better. He, he's not slowing down. He's been in the UFC for quite some time. He spent his whole career basically in the UFC, and he doesn't look to be going anywhere anytime soon. He doesn't look to be slowing down. And the thing about Frankie Edgar is one thing I really highly enjoy about Frankie Edgar is that is that he's not slowing down. And and what I've noticed on last Frankie's Frankie's last few opponents is that, you know, he has this it factor in him to shut down a hype train. To shut down people that other people, fans, media, the UFC he shuts down those people that everybody's talking about and referring to as the next big thing. Oh, Yair Rodriguez was the second, the next big thing. You know, his future champion. Nobody can beat him. He gets matched up with Frankie Edgar and gets smashed. You know, I'm not necessarily thinking the same way for Brian Ortega because he is very dangerous as well. I just think that, you know, the pressure of Frankie, you know, his ability to shut these new up-and-comers down and, and these these new guys you know you're not going to get anywhere near a title shot if you're not fighting Frankie Edgar next that's for sure he wants everybody to realize that he's not going anywhere and you're not going anywhere without fighting Frankie Edgar you're not going to you're not going to have any dates with Max Holloway or anything like that without having to fight Frankie Edgar first because Frankie Edgar definitely is the number one contender, in my opinion, and one of the best featherweights, if not the second, third best featherweight of all time, you know, not counting Josie Aldo. It's Max Holloway, Josie Aldo, and Frankie Edgar. And Brian Ortega has a chance and a big, huge opportunity. And I'm not saying he can't win. I'm just saying that the probability and thinking about it is, is, is very small versus if it was somebody else. Because for Brian Ortega, I'm saying that I, we've seen him in fights but we've seen him end fights very late. And I'm not saying necessarily he was behind on any of the scorecards or anything, but it takes him a while to get going, in my opinion, I feel like. And, you know, honestly, I feel like his stand-up isn't up to up to par maybe with, like, a Frankie Edgar or a, a, a Max Holloway. Not saying, I mean, he's, he, I mean, he knocked out Clay Guida, like, towards in the third round, but... I'm not saying he he can't stop people, but he's not necessarily known for his knockout power. Brian Ortega is a phenomenal jiu-jitsu practitioner, you know, arguably some of the best jiu-jitsu, if not the best jiu-jitsu in the 145-pound division. You know, it's not named Charles Oliveira. You know what? 
for people that don't know Charles Oliveira, Charles Oliveira has one of the trickiest guards, has one of the quickest guards, and has some of the nastiest submissions that you could possibly ever get into. So if you take Charles Oliveira down, prepare to be in his world. You know, him and I feel like Brian Ortega have some of the nastiest guards. You know, Brian Ortega is, is phenomenal with his jiu-jitsu. The way he was able to execute that choke in midair and readjust it against Cub Swanson was just absolutely, I was like, oh my God, this dude. And if he gets hold of anybody's neck, it's a hard, it's a hard, hard, hard hard thing to get out of not many people get out of it so it really is an interesting fight you know i'm leaning towards frankie edgar but i'm saying i'm leaning also towards brian because i'm not ruling him out on any any means whatsoever you know he he he's looked good inside the octagon his only his only blemish has been his failed drug test i think it was for marijuana he's like 13 0 and 1 he'd be 14 and 0 flat but you know he had this whole the whole drug test failure and um it wasn't uh And, uh, you know, it's, a, uh, you know, it, it sucks. It's for marijuana, though. It's not like it was for steroids or anything. So, you know, all good for him. Marijuana. It's nothing bad. So he's 13-0-1. He's taking on a former champion in the form of Frank Yeager. Arguably the biggest fight of Brian Ortega's life. So I'm curious to see how the size factor plays up, how he's able to deal with the pressure of Frankie, if he's able to get out of there, if he's able to, you know, start a little bit sooner and not take as long to get ready. Because it's a three-round fight versus a five-round fight. And, you know, Frankie Edgar is a five-round fighter. So Frankie being in a three-round fight is, is, is a lot easier for him, I feel like. I mean... I, I feel like he can do 10 rounds if he really wants to, but I say a three-round fight isn't enough rounds for Frankie Edgar, so Frankie gets, get, Frankie's combos, everything he does is beautiful. I mean, he was able to, I mean, you look at the way he knocked out Chad Mendez. He has fast hands, he has a, a phenomenal chin, he's never been knocked out, he's never been stopped, and Frankie's looking to do that later on later on today i was gonna say later on this week but later on today because we're doing a episode today so that's that's an excellent fight you know definitely really curious to see how brian if brian ortega is able to utilize and maybe possibly pull off a, one of the biggest upsets in in, in the ufc you know, defeating frank yeager is not an easy chance an easy uh, task i mean like i said frankie has only lost title fights he's never lost a non-title fight He's never lost to anything that wasn't a title fight, except for the Grey Manor fight. I think, yeah, it was a... Wait. Yeah, the Grey Manor fight, and then there was a draw. They had a draw, and they had another one, and they fought again, and that's when Frankie stopped him. But I can tell you, man, I've never seen anybody get as hurt as bad as Frankie did in that Grey Manor fight, and he was still able to come back after almost being stopped. Thankfully, he was a good referee, and they were able to, you know, see that he has a lot of heart, and he's able to recover. He's able to get out of these bad spots, and he's able to, you know, find a way to win. He always finds a way to win. That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't really ever see Frankie Edgar lose unless it's a title fight. I mean, this is the fight to make after Brian Ortega has... Frankie, if Frankie Edgar defeats Brian Ortega on on Saturday, which is today, I do want to see this Max Holloway fight because in the last two meetings that they were supposed to meet, Frankie got injured and Max got injured. The last time Max got injured, originally Max, Max was supposed to fight on this card right now. He's supposed to fight Frankie Edgar today in a five-round fight in the main event. 
but that's not the case. But Frankie opted to stay on UFC 222 so we could fight. I mean, he did all this training camp, put all the money into it all the time and all the effort. Why not take a late placement fight and, and warm yourself up in the 2018 year and potentially set yourself up for a t potential showdown with the champion later on that very year? That's exactly what I feel would be good for him. And like I said, I'm not saying that Brian can't win. I'm just saying that, you know, for Frankie, you know, this is the clearest path if he is to get victorious. As well for Brian Ortega, I'm sure he wants a title shot. You know, originally, Brian Ortega was, I think, was going to sit and wait for the winner of Max versus Frankie, but now he has an opportunity to fight. You know, he's taking this fight on short notice, and, you know, he's looking to, he's looking to establish himself as, as the real deal, as a top contender in the UFC 145-pound division, and, you know, he's looking to, you know, capitalize and, 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 and build with the momentum of his last dominant win over Cub Swanson. All right, ladies and gentlemen, moving on to what would have been the main event, you know, as I said, Max Holloway would have been the main event with Frankie Edgar taking on Frankie Edgar, but now we got even a, a little bit of a, a less exciting fight for a lot of people, for certain people. I, however, don't disagree with it, but I do disagree with the challenger. I'm not necessarily saying that Kun Sakaya can't get the job done, but for Chris Cyborg, I mean, she stepped up to save the plate. Like I said, I'm, I'm still getting used to Chris Cyborg in the UFC. It's been a long time coming. I've been waiting for the longest time. We've all been waiting for the longest time to see her finally make her, her big show in the Octagon. You know, a lot of people wanted to see the Ronda Rousey fight at first, but I'm thankful that it happened. But Chris Cyborg steps up to the plate, puts her featherweight title on the line against Yanin Kun Sakaya, Russian prospect. Making her UFC debut, like I said earlier, she is the Invicta Bantamweight champion. Her last loss, I think, was like to Tanya Evinger or something. Tanya Evinger being a former foe of Chris Cyborg, former Bantamweight champion, dominant champion in, in Invicta. She was like the scariest woman in the Bantamweight division, in the women's in the women's division. She was the most talked about, you know, and she was she was severely dominant. She got in the cage with the devastating Chris Cyborg, which is, in my opinion, the Mike Tyson of MMA. It's not a good night. Chris Cyborg is a Mike Tyson of MMA. She is ferocious. She, I said this yesterday, she has this, once you, once you get hit by Chris Cyborg, a lot of people change up their game plans. They don't even have a, a, a plan B for when Chris Cyborg hits you. So I'm calling. I'm calling it today, and and next episode of the G Maker Remake Show, I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna say it. Fireworks, baby! Chris Cyborg will annihilate Yanin Kutsikaya tonight. She will annihilate her. It's gonna be vintage Chris Cyborg. And for people that were questioning her cardio, she obviously showed it in her last fight with Holly Holm that she has a cardio and a, and a vicious woman that hits as hard as Chris Cyborg does for five rounds. You're gonna go through hell if you're not prepared. There's not a lot of people that can prepare for the kind of ferocious uh, competitor, ferocious fighter, ferocious killer that Chris Cyborg is. She comes in there with huge power, you know, and the fact that she is, she's able to, to pace herself and, and, and utilize her cardio throughout five rounds is even a dangerous thing because that was one of the flaws people were thinking about. A big, strong, muscular woman, a woman of that heavy power with a ferocious finishing rate with ferocious a uh, phonetic pace when it comes to you know finishing people and uh, how is she going to manage that cardio through 
five rounds. Well, she has a great strength and conditioning coach. Conditioning coach. Conditioning is one of the most important things in these fighters' careers. So, you know, she obviously did get that down. I noticed in the last fight, she looked great against Holly Holm. And she's going to look great against Yanni Kunsinkaya. She's going to put her away. I think all Chris Cyborg's fights, except for one, was a, a stoppage. You know, it's kind of it's kind of used to it. used to you. I mean, I'm, I'm used to Chris Cyborg finishing fights. It's not weird she doesn't finish fights. So that should be a great fight. And like I said, for Chris, Chris Cyborg, once again, just establishing herself as the baddest woman on the planet. Some 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 criticisms go into the fight. The, the, the fight, like I said earlier, when I had a problem with the challenger. You know, like I said, it's not the most credentialed fight. A lot of MMA fans and people would like to see the Megan Anderson, Megan Anderson fight, you know, she is the Invicta FC, um, 145 pounds women's champion, and for the longest time, she was, she was tied to Chris Cyborg, she was eventually set to fight Chris Cyborg in Invicta, probably at one point in time, she wasn't that far away from it, and now that Chris Cyborg's over in the UFC, and now Megan's in the UFC as well, it's just that that fight didn't come together, you know, I don't know if she's injured or anything like that, but that would be the fight to see, and a lot of people are upset that either they didn't see her versus Megan Anderson, or Chris Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes, that's the fight to make, that's a super fight, that's a great fight, you know, both women are vaguely similar, and, and, and a lot, you know, I'd set the say Chris Cyborg's a little bit more dominant, a lot more scary when it comes to power, but I have to say Amanda Nunes isn't that far away from being equally as as, as powerful and equally as dangerous as Chris Cyborg. Both women can, can, can push the pace for five hard rounds, and both women can invict damage on their, their opponents. I have to say Chris Cyborg inflicts a lot more severe damage due to the crazy power that she has, you know, the strength that she has. She's just an absolute monster. She has the ability to overwhelm her opponents. Like I said, you know, after a while, you're, you're going to change up your game plan. You're not going to really necessarily have a game plan. It's just the truth. She, she, she's, she's a crazy force to be reckoned with. And, you know, I can't wait for Chris Cyborg to fight later on tonight. I have to say, since we're going to talk about predictions, I'd say first round TKO for her. And going down to the co-main event, Frankie Edgar defeats Brian Ortega by unanimous decision. Hence, Brian Ortega defeats Frankie Edgar. Good Lord, that will open up the division. That will be a crazy thing. But honestly, I'm not ready to see Frankie Edgar losing. I don't think he is either. So it should be a dominant performance for Frankie Edgar. Let's have a let's take a closer look at the UFC 222 lineup because we do have a lot of great fights on that card. And I promise you guys this episode will go out. Because if it doesn't, you do not know how mad I will be. Alright, pulling up. UFC.com. UFC 222. Main event. Headlined by, like I said, Chris Cyborg. Ah, come on. Chris Cyborg versus Kunsikaya. Yana Kunsikaya in the co-main event. We got Frankie versus Brian Ortega. Sean O'Malley makes his pay-per-view debut against Andre Sukumata. Stefan Struve returns against Andrzej Arlovski. Arlovski coming off of a, a unanimous decision win over Junior Albini in his last fight. Andrzej Arlovski also snapping a five-fight losing streak. You know, he lost to Stipe, and then he lost to Alistair Overeem. He lost to Josh Barnett. He lost to Marcin Tybura. 
and he lost to Francis Ngannou. Five-fight losing streak. UFC keeps him, obviously. He's a former UFC heavyweight champion. Um, he's been in the UFC for a long time. You know, he's had a, he's a, a massive, uh, massive part of the UFC's history when it comes to the heavyweight division. One of the most feared strikers with some of the fastest hands and some of the craziest knock knockout power back in that generation. So Andre Olofsky is still here, taking on a very dangerous six foot eleven, I think seven foot now, officially seven foot Stefan Struve, who's also looking to get back on track. Andre Olofsky's back on track, but it would be nice to see him string together some some wins. And my favorite one, this is the People's Main Event. I talked about this yesterday, guys. I don't see why this fight isn't on the main It is on the main card. She's kicking, kicking it off in the main card. And speaking of she, woman who has history with Amanda Nunes, Kat Zingano, the return of the ferocious Kat Zingano. Man, I've been waiting for her to return for quite some time. Back when this fight was announced, it was still a long-ass time away from the fight. UFC 222 was long ass fucking time away, but Katzenganu takes on Brazilian the Brazilian Caitlin Vieira headlining and and kicking off the pay per view card. Katzenganu is 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 the woman to watch. If you haven't watched a Katzenganu fight, good lord, you're missing out, because Katzenganu is a ferocious intimidating, very aggressive, highly aggressive, probably one of the most aggressive people I've ever seen, and one of the most vicious people, one of the most vicious women's mixed martial arts that I've ever seen. She's up there with Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes. She actually holds a win over Amanda Nunes, and she did throw her hat in there and fight Chris Cyborg a couple of times, so you got to know Amanda, a cat in is not going anywhere anytime soon. She's not a woman to back down from a fight. Now, her last fight, Touts back to UFC 2, uh, I mean, circles back to UFC 200 against a unanimous decision loss to Juliana Pena. And before that was her her, her, her quick uh, her quick submission loss to former champion Ronda Rousey. So, so she has not been in the octagon for quite some time due to injuries and stuff. But now the most important thing that she is back. And if you watch not just her fights, but... She has a documentary out. If you know the story about her husband who passed away and everything else, it's really an inspirational story. You know, she's an inspirational person outside the octagon. She's a she's an amazing, fantastic fighter inside the octagon, and she's a mother to a, a, her her her, her one child. And she's a hard worker, and she's um, never gives up. And you know, she's cat cat's just something else. Like she is beautiful violence when Kat Zidano fights, because when she fights. I'm telling you, not a lot of people like to get in there with her because how how crazy of a pace she has, how aggressive she is, and I'm curious to see how she's going to look. You know, I'm not a fan of these constant layoffs with top-tier fighters like this, like fighters that we want to see in title fights and super fights. She's one of the few people inside that division on maybe like the only person I want to see have super fights, either with Chris Cyborg or another fight with Amanda Nunes. So, you know, this is another thing why I like Cats and Gano, this is why I like high-profile fights like this, because, you know, regardless of the ranks, regardless of where she's at with the ranks, there's still people that would like to see super fights and would like to see a rematch with, the, with her. You know, after, you know, as she was victorious against Caitlin Vieira, Caitlin Vieira is undefeated, by the way, and I didn't know. Um, if she is the, uh, successful against Vieira, she can throw her name in the hat to fight the winner of the recently announced Amanda Nunes versus Raquel Pennington women's bantamweight title fight. 
that would be good. I would love to see Kat Sagano in that. She definitely does deserve a title fight. Um, I think she deserved one, you know, even though she did lose to Juliana Pena, but Juliana Pena's out on maternity leave due to having, she's going to be having a baby. I think she, does she have it already or I don't know. She may have had it already, but, um, she, she's out and there's no only other logical contender for Amanda Nunes would be Raquel Pennington because there's really, there's no one else. Raquel Pennington's nursing a hand in, injury and was, um, out due to that hand injury. And now, you know, as she slowly makes her recovery, she is set to fight Amanda Nunes. I don't know when or where, but I know that is the next fight for her. And that should be the best thing that that should be. That, that would be a good fight. I'm curious to see how, how that, how that fight ends up. But I'm really also curious to see how Kat Zingano does, you know, cause like I said, a lot of hype on her and, you know, a lot of skill to back it up. She's one of the few that you can have all that hype with, but you can't, but you can also back it up. 9-0 Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley was, uh, takes on Andre Sukumata. Sean O'Malley, if you know him, was on Dana White's, uh, Tuesday Night Contender Series, formerly hosted by, uh, well, not hosted, but, um, commentary, the famous commentary by the great Snoop Dogg and Uriah Faber. You know, he had that huge highlight reel, that huge knockout, had him making his UFC debut. He's coming off of, I think, like unanimous issues and win in his first fight inside the actual octagon. Yeah, he, he, he defeated, oh no, yeah, he he defeated Tarion Ware by unanimous decision, I think, and on December 1st. So, you know, it's not, not too much of a layoff for Sugar Sean O'Malley, but... He will be taking on a very tough customer, and um, he's putting his undefeated record out on the line. Guy has a personality. Guy, he's talking about in his, in his interviews about something about like his own coming out with his own strain of weed. And he smokes. He's a big pothead. And this seems like a cool ass dude. He's a young. He's a young guy. He has all this hype, and we can't control the hype, ladies and gentlemen. Like, we can't control what hype these people get. It just just so happens that these guys have a fun, exciting style, and there's something about them that just brings fans up. You know, it makes people want to see this guy fight. Just as Sage Northcutt had. Just as Paige Van Zandt had. Yeah, Rodriguez. All these young prospects, not saying that they're overhyped or anything, and they don't have the potential to fulfill all the things people are expecting of them. As there's just a time, and there's just a place for all these things. And I don't know if it's necessarily right now, or if it's the future. And, you know, for him, Sugar Shane O'Malley uh, is obviously, like I said, putting his undefeated record online. Fantastic fighter. Looks to have all the all the potential skills of a, a superstar. And he's a cool ass dude. You just watch the interviews and see all the stuff he's about. I guarantee you, you can find them. But, like I said, that should be a, a fun fight. His first fight on pay-per-view. Dana White obviously probably has complete faith in him. I mean, I mean... I feel that this card will be good, even though it's not as stacked as it could be. I mean, the pay the, the pay per view is stacked though. I mean, we still we got a lot of good fights on this card though. Like going down to going down the list, you know, you got uh, Mackenzie Dern making her UFC debut at long last. She struggled a little bit with the weight cut, and she ended up making it after the final time. Um, going down to the prelims, John Dotson taking on Pedro Munoz, and uh, CB Dalway returning. Against Hector Lombard, Hector Lombard in massive need of a win. 
coming off of a knockout loss against Anthony Smith, C.B. Dalloway hasn't been in the octagon forever. He had that whole back injury, that whole thing with the elevator in Brazil, I think. And, you know, has, he had clearly stated that his back hadn't been the same. John Dotson versus Pedro Munoz originally was supposed to happen, I think, at UFC, like, Sao Paulo or something. And that didn't happen due to Pedro not making weight and Dotson didn't want to fight. That helped, that created the whole controversy with the whole, if he's going to get his show money and all that a couple weeks, maybe like a few weeks ago, maybe a month. But um, that fight is finally happening. So that should be a fan favorite fun fight. I can't wait for that one. It is the last fight on John Dotson's current contract. Will he negotiate after that? We don't know. I'd like to say, see John stay in the UFC because he's a fan favorite. You know, he has knockout power. He's a fan favorite, and he's been in the UFC forever. So it would be kind of crazy to see a guy with that much talent and that much uh, fan, you know, you know, fan-friendly type of guy like that go to another organization. But you got to go where the money's right. And you got to go with the contracts. And if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. But, you know, I'm sure that the UFC will be confident in their decisions. And whatever happens, we'll, we'll, I'll be 100% happy with it as long as the fighter's happy. So that should be a great fight. Mike Pyle makes his return against Zach Otto. And also, another man making his return on this card is Brian... Kid Lightning Caraway finally taking on 16 and 1 Cody Stammen. Brian, Brian uh, Caraway actually broke up with Misha Tate. They're, they're known for their, their relationship that they had. They're the MMA couple, their hottest MMA couple. Well, at the time, because Misha Tate was the, was the champion in, in Invicta. I think, wasn't it Invicta? Yeah, she was a champion in Invicta, so she was dating Brian Caraway. Brian Caraway was fighting the best woman's fighter of, of that particular time period. And, you know, it was just a whole thing. They're most always known, Brian Caraway, Misha Tate, Misha Tate, Brian Caraway. Everyone was talking about it. That was a power couple in MMA. So he's coming off of a string of, inju a string of injuries and, and some, a string of bad luck and some things. You know, watch the videos and stuff and see what he, his, his, his pre-fight interview that was posted probably like a few days ago. And, you know, you see a lot of the stuff that he, he has gone through. So, you know, it's an inspirational thing. He's back. It's good to be back. I mean, he hasn't fought since a split decision win over Al Jermaine Sterling back in UFC at, at um, in UFC in 2016. I was trying to remember the name of what, what UFC it was, but Brian... Caraway hasn't fought since 2016, so now it's 2018, and, you know, he's looking to get back on track. You know, he's ranked number seven ranked, and he's looking to, you know, make some noise in that Bantamweight division. He, he had some questions about why he was fighting on Fight Pass, and I just read the comments. I see all the comments, all the Twitter hate, everyone saying, oh, you haven't fought since, 2018, uh, since 2016, and that was my exact thought. I was like, maybe it's just the fact that he hasn't fought in a while, and everything else is just too stacked to have him on there, but, you know, obviously, don't, no matter who is fighting, it's still going to be a great card, because still, it's still a great card from top to bottom, and and it's a phenomenal card, and I, honestly, I can't personally wait to to see what happens with with this fight. M more notably, my people's main event, aside from Kat Zingano and and Caitlin Vieira fight, 
is the Frankie Edgar versus Brian Ortega match because it's such an interesting fight, it's such an interesting style, and it's more interesting to see how Brian Ortega, we all know how Frankie Edgar fights, he only gets better at the age, and he just gets better as time goes by, but we want to see, I want to see how Brian Ortega does with the pressure of Frankie Edgar, how he handles it, if he is able to stop what Frankie Edgar brings, if he's able to stop the takedowns, it's just Frankie mixes his takedowns so well. If you watch the way Frankie mixes in his takedowns, and he has beautiful ground and pound. He has beautiful jujitsu. You know, his ground game is, is very good. It's very underrated because Frankie Edgar is so much outstanding. And, you know, he throws some beautiful combos. You know, his stand-up just, it's just gotten nothing but better as time has gone by. I mean, you see that his fast hands in that Chad Mendes fight. Good Lord. Not Chad, he knocked Chad out cold. And, um... Well, Chad did get up pretty fast, though, but he didn't, he caught him pretty, he got him real fast. I mean, I feel that Frankie, it, I mean, he caught him, that's what I was saying. I said Frankie, I would have to say Frankie is that uncrowned champion, you know, he has the potential to be champion in all these weight divisions, you know, from the, from the, from 155 pounds to 145 pounds. Like I said earlier, he just looked absolutely nothing but phenomenal. And he is on a mission, you know, he, he has his eyes set on gold. You know, for the longest time, he's been set to fight. He's wanted to fight for the title, and they were supposed to fight for the title at at for the, on this very card. But you know, Max got injured. Frankie opted to stay on the card and fight Brian Ortega, the next best thing to fight aside from the champion. And you know, he was supposed to fight Max before that, and he got injured. I think he was supposed to fight Max in December, and then he was supposed to fight Max on this card today. And he and Max got injured, so he just opted to stay on the card and he's fighting Brian Ortega, which is also a great fight as well. Curious to see Chris Cyborg smash Kani Kunsankaya, who's next for Chris Cyborg if she if she is victorious over her. Um, I'd probably say like I want I really want to see that Megan Anderson fight. That's the only other fight because you know other than that you know there's really no solid 145 pound women's weight class that I feel. Can necessarily pose. I don't really, honestly, I just really don't see anybody posing any threats to Chris Cyborg anytime soon. So, so whatever happens with that, I'm 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 happy to see. I'm curious to see. We got a lot of great prelims on the on on the FS1 prelims as well as as uh, fight pass. But actually, speaking of the events and speaking of future events, I wanted to look at the the UFC's calendar for the next few weeks and months to come to see what we got and see what we have to look forward to. All right. Live on UFC Fight Pass, March 17th. Fabricio Verdum takes on Alexander Volkov in the main event. Live on UFC Fight Pass, March 17th, 2018, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific from London, England. Oh, and then guess what? The best one. And also, is in the news. We're going to talk about this in a second. UFC 223, Ferguson versus Khabib for the undisputed lightweight title. April 7, 2018, Brooklyn, New York. Finally, Khabib versus Ferguson happens. This is a fight to see. Dana White said that the second somebody throws a punch in that main event, Connor is stripped of his lightweight belt. Interesting take. Interesting why it took him so long to straight up to say that. I mean, he said undisputed. That would be absolutely fucking insane to have two belts. Have Connor's belt just because it's Connor. And Dana said the fight has to, the, the, the division has to move on. Everything has to move on. So the second somebody throws a punch in that fight, that's when 
Connor will be stripped. So we got that on April 7th. April 14th, we got another good one on Big Fox. Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje is a fight of the year, fight of the night candidate, fight of the fucking century kind of fight. So that should be going April 14th from Glendale, Arizona. And then one more in April we're going to last talk about is Kevin Lee versus Edson Barbosa. So that just got announced. And I'm um, curious to see what other fights get added to that card as it goes on. Like I said, yesterday was really disappointing. And I, I was really it was really unfortunate to be in that kind of position after having such a great show. But, you know, these things happen in your professional life, in your career and stuff. And you just got to learn to come back from those things and not let them kill you. I mean, I was just like, oh, I never want to do podcasts again. This is so upsetting. I give up. I quit. I wasn't necessarily saying those last two things, uh, giving up and quitting and stuff. I was just like, I'm done until next week. We'll recap the fights. We're not going to talk about the fights. But well, the, what other way to do it than release an episode the day of the fights? Therefore, I can feel like I'm not rusty when I come back. I mean, like I, I, I told her girlfriend, I was like, when I come back, I'm going to be better. The longer I'm out, the better I'm going to be when I come back. But I was like, I just want to keep doing this and keep getting consistent. So there's no other way for me to be productive than to have a great podcast early morning. You know, it's like 10, 10 p.m., 10, 10 a.m. right now, excuse me, and no, no other better way to do that than talk about the fights. Anything else before we get out of here, though? Let me see. Before we get out of here today, I really wish you guys could have heard the yesterday's. Even though I feel like this one kind of equally did did match up to yesterday's, I just feel like something about yesterday's really flowed. It was over an hour, and this one's nearing forty minutes. Well, this one is for it's forty minutes, but I feel that we did drop a lot of the main knowledge that we needed to do. Uh, basically, when it comes to what I wanted to talk about was Jeremy Stevens and UFC two twenty two. Also, speaking of a last UFC Orlando, it was it was a really good card. It was a lot of fantastic performances. I mean, one that sticks out was Alan Juban's knockout of uh, Ben Saunders, um, Max Griffin. Ends a feud with Mike Perry, defeats him in his home hometown by unanimous decision as well. And um, Jessica Andrade and Tisa Torres definitely delivering the fight of the night kind of fight. Jessica Andrade submitting submitting her spot as the number one contender and potentially on the verge of fighting the winner of Joanna versus Rose too. That could be on her horizon. That's why I'm so excited for it. There's so many things. Women's mixed martial arts is getting so exciting, particularly in the strawweight division, due to the fact that Joanna isn't the champion at 115 pounds. Now, say Rose beats her again, then that makes it even more clear for the rest of the ladies in that division to possibly make a title run. As well as flyweight, we talked about Valentina Shevchenko a while back against Nico Montano, and the rest of that division is just like Valentina and the rest of that division. So we got a lot of curious things to happen in women's mixed martial arts. Curious to see what they're going to do with the whole 145-pound division for Chris Cyborg, as well as, you know, constantly being able to make it to where she has challengers, you know, good challengers. You know, for a while it may be like the Demetrius Johnson thing. He's just eating people alive, and it's maybe looking like there's really no competition. When there is solid competition, it's just the fact that these people, the, the champions are just so damn good. They, they overlap everybody on on different levels to the point where it looks like there's really just no solid competition. That's just how good we have people like that. I mean, Demetrius Johnson, Chris Cyborg. I mean, you, you look at all these fantastic champions and you just think like, you know, damn, they're just on that fucking high of a level. That's just, that's just the reality of it. 
But like I said, that should get better. I can't wait for the fights this, today. Obviously, this weekend. I'm used to saying it this weekend. And I appreciate you guys, honestly, for joining me here on this episode of Segments, episode number 10. Finally hit 10. Finally hit an even number for Segments. But I'm glad to be back with that one. We hadn't had an episode in Segments in a while. I mean, the last podcast we had, we talked about pre-fight Jeremy Stevens versus Josh Emmett. So it's good to be back. It's good to do something, at least in the meantime, to kind of spice things up. And I really wanted to give my thoughts on it, you know, from the Frankie Edgar fight to everything else. You know, just the pace, like I said, of Frankie and, and his ability to shut down these young guns with a lot of hype that potentially could be on their way to possibly making a title run and all that. So it's, it's fun to talk about all that stuff. So I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you guys for being here and I appreciate everybody that supports from day one and all that so thank you for joining us here on this episode of segments episode 10 you guys know where to find me at g meeker mma on twitter talk fights pre-fights post-fights give me i'll give you thoughts on everything give me thoughts you ask me questions do whatever i'm here to talk to you guys this is this is something i really enjoy to do and i've done it for a long time and i'm continuously going to keep trying my absolute best to make sure i can be the best podcaster i can be learn more about the sport get closer to the sport and just constantly keep evolving with the sport and evolving as time goes so like i said one more time at gmeeker underscore no gmeeker mma on instagram i changed the underscore just to, to where it says mma gmeeker mma on instagram gmeeker mma on twitter Facebook.com slash GabyBaby123. I thought I was going to say I was going to stop saying. I, I thought uh, I was going to say, I thought I, I said last time that I was going to stop shouting that out because I get a lot of friend requests from fake accounts. So obviously it must be attracting fake accounts in a certain way. So I'm good off all that, like I said. Um, one more time, you can follow me on Instagram, follow me on Snapchat. We will be back on Monday. Or not on Monday, but next week. I don't know exactly what day we'll be back. You know, it's not guaranteed I want to do a podcast on that same day. You never know how busy you're going to be, but yeah. So we'll be back next week to talk about pre uh, post-fight UFC 222 and any other news to come with that in the near few days or future. Talk about today's fights and talk about everything else to come with the near future. One more time, guys. I appreciate you guys for joining us on this episode of Segments. Thanks to Anchor Radio for having some of the having the best damn podcasting app on the planet. I definitely recommend if you're looking to start your own podcast to download Anchor. It's easy as pie. You don't have to you don't have to have any software for it. You don't have to uh, you simply have your smartphone. That's all you do. You don't have to have a computer or a huge headset. It's simply you with your smartphone, you with your tablet. I don't know if it's for computer, but just basically your tablet, your phone, bring it everywhere with you. You can edit it the way you want. You can put it in whatever you want. You can import music. You can do all these fancy things with it. You have to be you have to be computer tech savvy to add all those extra things in. But overall, it's an easy app, and I love working with Anchor. I love using Anchor, and it's been it's an honor to have my home here on Anchor. So. Like I said, we will be back next week, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. Peace.